You are listening to the Uncommon Truth Podcast, produced by the Father's House Church in Oroville, California. I'm Luke, and we created this podcast because we want to explore Christianity the way that Jesus intended it to be. If you're interested in joining us on this journey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, or for more resources, check out changeoroville.org. Uh, welcome to the Uncommon Truth Podcast. We are having fun here as we're getting started, and Steve's here with me. And it's awesome. Yep. Vicky is not with us today, sadly, but it is her birthday. It is her birthday. So we should say happy ver- birthday, Vicky. Oh, I have so much more to say about Vicky. Yeah? Oh. Yeah, she's just the light of the world. Yeah. She... I have had the, the privilege to walk in the shadow of her greatness for all these 43 years. And hopefully there's a lot more to come. We love Vicky. We love having you on the podcast. And uh, if you want to wish her a happy birthday, then... I'm sure she'd love it if you shared this podcast as a gift to her. Yep. And that she likes to sometimes say, you know, uh, ta- tag people in the podcast. So <laughs> her Medicare kicked in today. <laughs> it kicked in on the first, but we didn't need it till today. And, uh, it's pretty funny. Medicare birthday. There you go. Yeah. So we're uh, hot here in California in August. We've had a few weeks of. We've had a string, although yeah. today is very pleasant compared to the rest of the week. <laughs> Yeah. But it's hot and we're in the AC and it's nice. And yeah, you guys are from a country that you think this is hot. It's Separate true. countries, but both of them are the same. You think this is hot. This is really nice. <laughs> and you should know that based on the last two weeks. They've been just crazy. True enough. Crazy hot. Yeah. I miss my coastal British weather. So. You do? Yeah. You like the rain every day, huh? Not every day. Four days of sun per year. Something like that. Yeah, they have about a three-day summer up there. In, when it happens. In Monrovia or wherever they're from. <laughs> Manitoba. When it oh, happens. Manitobas. Yeah. I don't want to offend any Manitobans. <laughs> no. I'm sorry I said Monrovia, but they have about three days of summer. It's true. It's awesome. But we appreciate it when the sun comes out. That's pretty awesome three days, though. <laughs> when it's out, they go, woo They appreciate it a lot more than we do. That's true. Ours is kind of boring sometimes. Uh, we get about three months in a row of beautiful weather. Well, let's uh, let's dive in. We started last week our new season, which is all about uh, the sayings of Jesus or the red letters, and we looked at John three sixteen, the most famous verse in the Bible, and you know what what that really means. That's a pretty good. That was a pretty good discussion. I was yeah. just listening to it again, yeah, and I I hope that this this season continues to just take a, a deeper look at some of these things that maybe we we take for granted, or maybe you've never read them before, because I feel like some sometimes it's almost like pages in the Bible get stuck together because we just can't fit them into our yeah. theology. So, Yep, the quotable quotes of Jesus. Yep. So this one's are, that today's is a little bit of a doozy and we don't have Vicky's uh, lighthearted relief, so <laughs> get ready yep. for... Yep, get ready for, for serious yeah. Steve. <laughs> but uh, so let's, let's dive in. We're in uh, Luke 14, starting in verse 25. Now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned and said to them, him is Jesus, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him. 
saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sends out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Wow, Luke. <laughs> wow, we picked a good one today. This is, you know, I, I think back on all the altar calls in my early life during the Jesus movement. And these weren't part of the altar call. Mm -hmm. If any man comes to me. Right. We didn't say come to Jesus, but first consider leaving your mom and dad if they don't like you coming to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And consider the cost and consider whether you can do this or not. And, you know, make sure you can pay the price. Mm -hmm. No one ever said those things to us. Right. And yet Jesus said them very clearly here in Luke. And he said them very clearly in Matthew. Yeah. And if you cannot put your hand to the plow and keep plowing, don't put your hand to the plow. You will be found unworthy because... I've always said there's this special feeling about the way Jesus and the Father talk about people who say they believe but don't live their belief. Right. Better if you said you didn't believe. It actually literally says in here, it's better that you said you didn't believe. And Jesus said in Revelation that we studied recently, I wish that you were hot mm. or cold, but... This in the middle thing really bugs me. He mm. says, it's really going to make me sick in the end. I'm going to spew you from my mouth. I'm not going to keep you. Right. And um, that's kind of, these are not the altar call scriptures we choose. <laughs> we choose John, uh, Revelation 3 with, I stand at the door and knock, and any man who opens the door to me, I will come in and sup with him. But we don't want to, like we've talked about, the definition of believe. And yeah. we've talked about all the different definitions of we in Western culture have decided to define as our own decision. And Jesus is defining this one. He's not even allowing you to define it. Anyone comes to me. Okay, so what's the definition of coming to Jesus? So in my opinion, everyone wants to throw the thief at the cross on this one. Hmm. You know, what about the thief on the cross? Well, he fit this very well because people forget where he was when he said those things. Hmm. Today, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. It's because he proclaimed as king the guy on the cross next to him that these men down on the ground were torturing, wow. stabbing, had pushed spear, uh, thorns into his head, had beat him through the night. Right. And he's proclaiming him king when they crucified him for saying he said he was king. Hmm. And then you say... Remember me when I, you're in your... You make him king in front of everybody. Talk about counting the cost. Wow. They still had a lot of pain to do on that man. They still had a lot of things they could do to torture him before he died. He may have knew he was dying, but he was counting the cost. These men, and they did come and break his legs with a mallet. Oh. I mean, this is horror story. This is worse than any horror story Hollywood ever thought up. And the thief on the cross definitely chose to come to Jesus, and he counted the cost. Yeah. Even the cost of his parents rejecting him as a Jew for calling Jesus the king. And that was a real thing, to call Jesus the king, 
meant that your parents would have to say, no, we don't know what he's talking about. Remember when they went to the parents of the blind man? They said, oh, he can answer for himself. Yeah. I mean, it's truly a cultural thing in those days that the parents would have to answer for the children's actions. Mm -hmm. And this man on the cross said, when you come into your kingdom and just proclaimed as king, the one that they, those men with the mallets and spears and the whips and the ability to do great damage to this man on the cross, he, his work of faith was far greater than anyone I've ever met here on earth. Wow. His work of faith was beyond mine. His risk, his counting the cost, his willing to pay the cost. Mm -hmm. And then as far as hating your mom and dad, that's another story. That's kind of a, that's an unfortunate um, translation. translation of Jesus's actual words. The word that's translated hate, most, now I haven't looked up this one because Vicky's not here talking, so I don't have time to look it up <laughs> to make sure that what I'm saying is true. But the word hate in this verse, usually in these, uh, you know, means to love more. If you yeah. do not love me more, if you do not, so to not love something is to despise it. And if you do not love me in a way that's different from your mom and dad, is what it means. Yeah. If you do not love me different than your family name is what it means. If you do not love me different than your family heritage, inheritance, all those possessions and things, then you are unworthy of me. Then you cannot come after me. And it says here, cannot be my disciple. Yeah. And that, that phrase in itself, cannot be my disciple, it's like, I don't think that fits into our Christian. Western world does, has no grid for cannot be my disciple. No. I have friends that go into hospitals and and get people to pay pray on their you know they're just in fear before their surgery. You might die in surgery, you know. If you want to pray and receive Jesus, now you're going to heaven. It's like, well, that doesn't look like the same thing as this is. Says no. this the, he doesn't quote these scriptures in the altar call, and I and that's what I found in all the altar calls of my 47 year existence is these scriptures aren't really included. There's, there's actually a some who can be his disciple and some who cannot. Yeah. Are you willing to deny yourself? Pick up your cross, follow him. And are you willing to put aside your family's opinion, love him more than you do your family's love for you? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, uh, are you willing to let your family despise you by following Jesus? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to let them not love you and not follow, you know, not not like you for what you've done following Jesus. Yeah. Judge you for following Jesus, and it's that kind of thing that this is. And, and then this, and if you're not, then you cannot be my disciple. Yeah. I think all by itself is something none of us think of. We don't ever. Like, can anyone not be his disciple? Well, I, I don't know. It seems to me like some people have gone so far that the cup of their iniquity is full and they should, they should really try. That was what I was saying in, on a sermon recently about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. People should be at the altar every day trying to overcome that one. Wow. You know, he says, cannot be forgiven, but I know a merciful God. This is a vastly merciful God who's forgiven me a great many things. And I, he says it cannot be forgiven, but if I had done it and knowingly did it, I'd be at his feet every day begging him, you know, mm -hmm. it's worth it for the rest of my life to try to be forgiven of that. And in this one, you cannot be my disciple. Oh my gosh! Well, I want to be your disciple. I mean, I I am your disciple. I am your imitation. My life goal is to imitate you. Mm -hmm. And yes, I do love you more than my parents' opinion of me, than more than the my inheritance would ever bring me. Yeah. I would renounce my inheritance in a, inheritance in a minute to possess discipleship of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so. 
I think these counting the cost versus of the builder and the king, I, I think they should be more at the surface of an altar call. Yeah. At the surface of a come and be loved by God message. Mm. Count the cost, come into the fold, and here's the thing. If you are willing to make him your king, if you are willing to be his disciple, let us tell you of the blessings of walking with him. Paul the Apostle, the word said on his conversion when he was made a disciple of Jesus Christ, I will show him, he tells Ananias, Jesus tells Ananias, go and pray for him. I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. Wow. I'm like, I'm really glad he didn't send anyone to say that to me. <laughs> and, and yet, I've had suffering in my life since I followed Jesus. And I found that I would rather suffer in the sheepfold than suffer outside the sheepfold. Mm -hmm. See, people suffer all over the place. People suffer in many different ways. I, I mourn and cry for the children of Vietnam. Back at the end of the Vietnam War, I cried for them and the horrors of Laos and Cambodia. And, and I, I wept for those people. I, I, just, I mourned at the Life magazine pictures that were all over the place, at the suffering they were going through. And there have been so many famines and so many wars and so many genocidal maniacs in power um, all over the planet. And I think the, the suffering that goes on in the world where if I was going to suffer like the Southern Sudanese did, I would want to suffer in the fold wow. way more than I'd want to suffer outside the fold to have the confidence of eternal life or have the confidence of the reward from heaven. You know, a person in the suffering has a phenomenal opportunity to minister to the least of these, your brethren. A, a Christian in southern Sudan during the genocidal sweep trying to wipe Christianity out of the Sudan, um, those, anyone alive had many to minister to. Yeah. I mean, people look for ministry opportunities. Well, if you live there, you had a ton <laughs> of ministry yeah. opportunities all around you to give love and to be loved in return for the giving of love, mm -hmm. appreciation for the mercy. And so... I just maybe I don't see it the way the rest of the world. Maybe I don't. Maybe a lot of people don't agree. But when I read this, it's like it's not. It's not negotiable. It's can be my disciple, cannot be my disciple. Yeah. And it does say hate your mother, and I don't hate my mother, but I do love Jesus more than my mm -hmm. mother. And if my mother was mad at me, which she wasn't, she was amazingly proud of me giving my life to Jesus and following him. Yeah. And she wanted that for me, but had no matter what, you know, maybe friends and family didn't like that I was a Jesus person. They did definitely, many family members didn't like that I left my church mm -hmm. to go follow Jesus without that church. But that really wasn't my cause in life. My cause was to fall in love with Jesus and be loved by him. Yeah. And I... Anyway. That's really good. Yeah. This picture of the, the builder who starts to build the house and then is unable to finish. What as I was reading this uh earlier, what stood out to me is the you know, it says people will ridicule him and because he couldn't finish what he started. I was thinking about that in terms of Christianity and we see a lot of people who profess belief and they start to build a house, right? But then right. they walk away, they give up and then the what impact does that have on people's witnesses as Christians when someone starts to build a house and then? See, I think there's nothing worse than you go to a town where maybe a church is out doing evangelism and the people who are giving you or, or, being, or evangelizing you 
Next week they're laying in the gutter, you know, yeah. in the world, or they're, you know, they've gone back to the world, like like Paul claimed, Demas in love with the world has gone back to the things of the world. Pray for him. It, it's super damaging yeah. to the message. Well, that person claims they paid the price. They claim that they loved him more. And now look at them. See how it did not work for them. We recently had a young woman in our congregation crying because she came to us because of her uncle. And her uncle had eight years clean and sober, and then he relapsed. And she said, well, if he can't make it, I, I'm, I can't make it. Wow. And it's, it just takes hope away from people. And it is way better that we not claim more than we have. I think I recently heard a story. I was asking someone, have you ever heard of this church in your town? They said, are those the people that chase you around and try to heal you? And then they say you're healed and they run off and say you were totally healed and they run off. I go, well, they could be. I mean, it might be them. And they had total disdain for those kids running around the streets saying you're yeah. healed, you're healed, you're healed. And, and it gave God a black eye in their opinion. I'm not, I don't have any judgment. I think the exuberance of those kids running around doing that could have been a wonderful thing. Mm. But, you know, to claim more than what really happened, to not let the testimony be the healed, the person who's being healed saying, yeah. yes, I'm healed or no, I'm not healed, but claiming it for them I think is a mistake. And, wow. and yet, so across the board, I think claiming more than what's really happening is not necessarily profitable to the church or the message. So the next time I go and preach Jesus to these people and tell them how the enrichment of my life has been, that I have joy and peace, and I go through hardships like death from cancers and, and immediate families, and in fact, in fact, precious family, my granddaughter, and fires that burn down my whole life's memories and everything, all of these things that have happened in our life, I still have joy. I still have confidence. My faith is strong in the Lord. And that's what I want to share with them, that, yes, when people suffer, like go back to the Sudanese and all of the different places in history where people have um, been tortured or suffered because of the, you know, because choices other people make and because they're Christians, um, when that happens... I don't want to be there. I don't want to be involved in that. But if I am, I want to see it as an opportunity to serve the Lord. Yeah. If you're arrested, even falsely, even imprisoned, you know, and you didn't do it. Right. You're innocently. You still then look at it and go, okay, I'm here. Let us make this a ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's pray for one another. And let's, yeah. let's make the best out of the bad. Let's make him the king and be a mm -hmm. disciple of Jesus Christ. But if, if you only serve him when you're being treated well and you only serve him when everything's going, when you're winning the lottery and not losing the lottery, only when, you know, you're, you're, you're walking on water and not sinking, mm -hmm. then, you know, the thing to do is cry out for mercy, but then to continue to proclaim the greatness and the love of Jesus Christ. Yeah. He has loved me. In, uh, if I make my bed in hell and if my bad circumstances are my fault, there he is with me. Mm -hmm. If I walk through the valley of the shadow even, and that's my journey, he says, go this way. Um, he's there with me, walking with me. And I don't want to walk through those valleys, but if he sends me, I will. And he'll be with me. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not count the cost? Well, I built many, many, many structures. Hmm. 
And sometimes counting the cost is really a wise and good thing to do and deciding not to build because you can't do it. But other times, the cost just keeps changing. Yeah. And you just keep going forward. And if he's with you and he's your provider, your gyra, your, pro, you know, the Lord provider, mm-hmm. and he's with you, it, I have found that the enemy's always defeated and the tower's always finished. Yeah. But in terms of persecution or family rejection or family disdain, you know, caring what they think more than um, him. I have an interesting trend I've seen in the church. Mother's Day was always the fullest day in the church. Mm -hmm. And I would interview people. You're, you know, I'd just ask them, you know, oh, my sons came to church with me and all my grandkids. So the numbers would just be out out the roof, right? And you'd ask, well, why did they suddenly come today? Well, they asked me, what do you want for Mother's Day? And I said, I want you to go to church with me. Mm-hmm. Well, that group of women have all pretty much passed on. You know, they're, they were old in those days. Yeah. They had grandchildren when I was young. But now Mother's Day is one of the smallest services we mm-hmm. end up having, right? And I look at it, and um, it's you ask, where were you? Mm. Oh, you know... I just wanted to go on a picnic with my family, and yeah. they take them to the park, or they take them to the river, or they—it was an opportunity to go out on the boat. Yeah, and it's a completely different generation we live in today, where I've seen this trend to these holidays being the smallest days, not mm. the most full day. It's what is most important to you. Yeah, and it's clearly—it clearly shows that the family is becoming more important. Right. It's more like an idol to the family instead of trying to bring the family to Jesus. It's taking you to the family. Wow. And I think that's more what he's talking about here than anything, yeah. is our mindset has changed from I want my family to f- see Jesus to I want to see my family, mm-hmm. and I want them to see me. That's really good. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. That's kind of the inter- That's kind of what my, I, you know, yeah. everybody can disagree with me, but that's my observation. No scientific proof. No, no, that's no, good. no counting. I think that, you know, the that call for us to make him the most valuable thing in our life is, is what he's saying, right? More than family, more than possessions, as he Absolutely. says later, or more than, um, you know, the avoidance of suffering and the need for comfort. And, I, you know, one of the one of the things we do here is our, our Life Recovery Ministries, which is our recovery pro- program for people with addictions and other life uh, controlling issues and behaviors. And the thing we often see, right, is that they – come in desperate and they are in need of a savior and they need help and you know i'll do anything yes i believe but then when that immediate need starts to you know go into the background you have you you like to say the phrase about uh honeys and money right right and other things that weren't on the radar of importance in their worst day suddenly become only thing that matters. Right. <laughs> I, I just th- can you speak a little bit to that? I think because in this, it's almost building that tower. It's like, okay, I'm going to build this tower for Jesus. But then somebody walks, you know, outside the job site and my, my attention's over here. Your right. Attention. You know, you're fully, you're fully into building the kingdom. You're fully into building the tower, the, the metaphor, defeating yep. the enemy. Yep. And then something goes by that takes your interest. Yep. And it's like, you know, maybe I can live with an occupying force. Maybe I can live with an enemy winning. Maybe I can. I don't have to worry about killing. Someone told me that's not my battle anyway. The yeah. battle belongs to the Lord. Wow. So therefore, it's not my place to stand on the wall or stand in the gap or any of the things that most 
people at one time accept it as the Christian life. It's my job to stand in the gap. It's my job to stand against the enemy, to hold back the forces of darkness from the public schools or the public government, the courthouse, and keep the enemy out of those institutions, mm-hmm. hospitals, you know, to make them Christian hospitals mm-hmm. where prayer is invited. Um, and so we gave up. We Something walked by. Some opportunity came. And we, we kind of let loose until now the hospitals and this educational process and the courthouse, yeah. they are all owned by the enemy. Mm. And maybe we accept that. Maybe so. But I got my shiny object. I got my riches mm. or I got my baby, you know, honeys and monies. Yeah. And, and we abdicated, and it's like hard to pinpoint and say, look what, on our watch, look what happened. Mm-hmm. And there's no one person responsible. It's just an ideology that we allowed by a million people not counting the cost and a million people not standing in the gap and a million people not standing against the enemy, putting on the armor and fighting the enemy. And it became what it's become truly in every Bible study I've seen is it's an armor against personal invasion. Hmm. Whereas that very short time ago is two or more army against invasion of our churches, invasion of our courthouses, invasion of our communities, invasion, just like, just like it was for this example where the enemy amasses on a hill and a king has to decide, fight or sue for peace. Yeah. And they have sued for peace so often that now the only thing left to fight for is my own personal thoughts. And you can see how far backtracked that battle has become to where I only fight for me. Hmm. And if you fight for you, we can stand together. Yeah. But it's me. I'm not really fighting for you. And, and the truth is, the Christian disciple is called to fight for you and for you and for you. And, and to, if you have 100 people fighting, you got 99 people fighting for you, and you're fighting for 99 people. And it's supposed to be we go out knowing we can end the war, win the war because he who is with me is greater than he who is in the world. Mm-hmm. And we can stand against this enemy. We've counted the cost. We've seen. We've made him more important than our families, more important than our finances, more important than anything. And the um, the importance of those things, more important than those things, has to be the love of God. Yeah. And which is seen by the love of one another. As I have loved you, you so love one another. Mm-hmm. It has to be seen in this very clear picture of love Mm. and um it's 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 just i don't see the christian church as loving the world today i don't think we look at the christ at the christian church and we judge it correctly because we say i love you but there's no evidence to Mm. it there's no evidence behind it we don't give up our possession see so then none of you can be my disciples, it says in 33, who does not give up all his own possessions. <laughs> I mean, cannot be. <laughs> yep. Come on, where yep. is that preached in the altar call? It's not what funny. altar call at what concert? What altar call at what, what worship night? Yeah. What altar call at what church says that? So if you come to be Jesus' disciples, you must give up all your possessions. Everything you own must belong to him, and you have to become the steward. So, like, if I had a lot, like, it's, it's no big deal to hear of some movie star with a $30 million complex on Maui who has a caretaker who mm-hmm. live, gets to live there and take care of it. Yeah. Right? He gets to live in a $30 million property. And he, if they have horses, he gets to ride them. If he, right. you know, he, he's run of the mill, man. Yep. He, gets the, he gets the run of the house. 
Well, that's what it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to not own it. That guy doesn't own it. Mm. If the movie star sells it, that guy's out. Right. Um, and if God sells my house, I'm out. It's his house. I sell all of my possessions to Jesus. When I accept the cross, I'm saying, you have bought me. And I think that the majority of Christian thinking is, but he didn't buy my house. <laughs> and I think the argument would be, he doesn't want my house. Well, he, he bought my house, my car. When I go to the car dealer to buy a car, I don't put on the purchase price, me and Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the principal owner. I'm the co-signer. Yeah. And... He's responsible for the bill. No, I make a promise as the caretaker of Jesus's estate. I will make the payment from Jesus's accounts. And it's just like the movie stars caretaker. Yeah. He owns it and I must be okay with it. And I, and I've preached this for a, a lifetime, but I've not really had a lot of, you know, different examples in my life of whether or not I actually live this. Mm-hmm. And yet, in small ways, like, you know, I had $10 to my name and someone want, needed $10 and I gave it away. And I said, oh, oh, I, I do live this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it got a little bigger, maybe $8,000 and someone needed it and I gave it away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm broke again. You know, and it just kept going with different different yeah. tests where I was, you know what, uh, I... I am one of those caretakers of someone else's possessions. Mm-hmm. I go do all the work, and I remember crawling up the ladders and swinging the hammer, and my body's wrecked from swinging the hammers to earn Jesus his uh, income from that property. And that property is me. He, he gets a return on me. Mm-hmm. And so all my talents, all my gifts, abilities, drive, everything, he gets the, he gets the benefit of. And I've had many now, you know, not as many as I, th- I would think some people have had, Paul the Apostle had or anything, but I've had a number of times in my life where those possessions were tested. Yeah. How do you feel about the possession? I lost 42 properties in, a, <clears throat> in the um, crash of the economy back in the last decade, and uh, uh, I guess that was two decades ago, wasn't it? In the, in the early <laughs> 2000s, uh, I lost 42 houses, and... Uh, at first, I didn't take it very well, so I wasn't doing this one very good. Mm-hmm. I got caught up in those possessions. I felt like I wasn't the caretaker. Or maybe I felt if we lost it all, I would be fired. Yeah. I don't know. But also I felt like I, I was losing the Lord's. I remember many times in my life I've really been mortified. I'm losing the Lord's possessions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not using them for good. They're not going to a good cause. But what happened in that time when I was losing 42 houses and what happened when my own home burnt down in the next in, in 2017 was I had this incredible peace that those were yours. Yeah. You can do what you want with them. I went and touched every one of them, laid hands on every property I was losing and said, this is yours. Mm-hmm. And that set me free. But I, I spent a good time period, months and months and months, mourning my own loss. Mm-hmm. But then once I went and laid down on the land and stood in both hands on the houses and consecrated them back to the Lord, repented for ownership. I saw this, this scripture, the freedom that came mm. and, and the incredible provision that came out of it. God has taken care of us with the loss of all of that in a way that's beyond measure. Yeah. And we've seen this sell all your possessions. I sell them not to you, but to Jesus. It is yours. And I am your caretaker. Yeah. 
So when my house burned down, I said, "Hey, this was yours. You could have, you could, you, you could have stopped the fire, and you didn't." And so, I accept what you wanted to do with your house. I had no power to stop the fire, but you did, and I accept this. Where do we go from here? And I felt like I had won the lottery. I succeeded. That was a real, true feeling I had. I didn't fake it. I wasn't saying something that wasn't so. I was saying exactly how I felt. Wow. I, was, I thought I'd fall on my face and weep. Why me, Lord? But instead I said, oh, this is your house, man. Wow. That's really good. So where do we go from here? If it's under a tree, I'm with you. If we're rebuilding, I'm with you. If we're moving out of Oroville, I'm with you. Where are we going? What's your purpose in burning your house down? And I can't believe he unfolded for me a plan. And I think that I know for a fact that I want to be his disciple. So when I read scriptures like this, I really highly recommend to everybody listening, listen to him when he says, you cannot be my disciple. Mm-hmm. That's like, ouch, man. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's figure this out. Okay, I have to be your disciple. I now know the truth that there is no, there is no place. Where would I go from here? There is no truth but Jesus. There is no grace but Jesus. There's no love from God but through Jesus. No man comes to the Father. There's no sonship but through Jesus. There is no Father but through Jesus. There is no armor except Jesus. There is no forgiveness except in Jesus. I have nowhere to go. Where would I go if I cannot be his disciple? Any answers? Anybody know? Call in. Tell me, where could I go if I'm not going to be his disciple? And he says, you can't be my disciple. I said, then I'm not doing that. Wow. So there's a line. And so, I, I mean, right now, even this month, me and Vicky have said, do you want us to sell everything? We'd be glad to. Is, well, are you calling us to sell everything so that we can build the kingdom? Because there's a sizable amount of equity now in this raised economy. Mm-hmm. We'll gladly cash in the economy and build the kingdom. It's not ours. It's his. And so we're, you know, we're making plans based on that answer. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. That's really good. I think just before we bring it to a close, I, I just want to touch on uh, the two verses at the end of this chapter that we didn't read. Uh, Jesus f- says what we just read again, which was, so then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his possessions. And then he says, therefore, salt is good. But if even salt has become tasteless, what? With what will it be seasoned? It is useless, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Do you hear what he just said? <laughs> it's not even good for the manure pile. Yeah. Now, what he means is they would, so they didn't have sewer plants. They didn't have recycling of right. this stuff. They didn't know how to break it down. And so what they did was they used salt to break it down and their smell would be dissipated. So he's saying if salt has lost its saltiness, it doesn't break down poop. It doesn't get rid of foul stench. It doesn't become fertilizer very quick. And <laughs> and food is tasteless without the salt and you are the salt. And if you are not his disciple you are useless salt and if you are so that's that thing about saying it is what it isn't i don't want to say i am his disciple i want to i want to say 
I want to be his disciple. Everything about me needs to be his disciple. And I and if he says I'm salt, then I want to be the best salt there is. I want to break down the poop in the world. I want to break down the poop in my church. I want to break down the poop in my life. I want to get the poop to quit ruling in its stench and ruling in its ugliness. And I want to break it down, get it down, and look at the beauty of the world and be able to smell the roses as they come by instead of the poop. And I want to be salt that is full of flavor. Full of, and salt is good for healing. Salt is good for cleansing, purifying. Salt is good for so many things. It melts the ice. It's so good for so many things. And I want to be salt and good salt, the best salt. Not what he says, but if salt has lost its taste, if salt has become tasteless, I mean, come on. Wow. It is useless. I don't want to be useless. I want to be useful to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want I want to be after it and listen to the words and not discard everything he says to fit my desire for it to say this and that, but to take what it actually says and let that change me, not take what I want it to say and change it. I want it to be what it says it is and change me. That's really good. That's what I want. Am I doing a good job? That'll be for others, and I know it's for God to decide. But that's what I want. So he's calling us not just to claim we're a disciple or to be part of a religious movement, but to be people who are salty, people who have influence and effect and purpose and life. And the way to do that is to, I guess, not do what he's saying here. So... So think of this, a religious group that says everyone's forgiven. You're forgiven. Oh, you're forgiven, Kevin. Everyone's forgiven, and then it turns out they're not forgiven. Mm -hmm. How useless was that? Not only useless, but pure evil. Kept you from finding God. And that's what he said to the Pharisees. You not only don't fight God, you don't let anybody else, because you tell them what the truth is and convince them, and then they can't find the real God. Wow. And that's what Christians, that's what he's talking about, Christianity. The disciples. He turns around and talks to the crowds of disciples. You cannot be my disciple and make people miss God and decide for yourself what's the truth. Some guy sits at my table the other day and says, we don't need to talk about it because if you say believe, that's it. doesn't matter what you do. And I'm like, man, that is not what these verses say. This one here says a lot more than that. Yeah, it does. You know, it says a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's a challenging. It's a challenging little passage, and this 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 section here is one of those. As I said, in this season, we're going to look at some familiar things that we've heard a million times, and we maybe we think we know what it means, and then we're also going to look at things like this, which I I feel like often we read and then we just overlook or forget about. Like we don't, like we said, we don't factor that sentence. Cannot be my disciple into our Christianity very much today. So this season's going to be looking at things like this and saying, what is the Christianity that Jesus defines? And how, how do we live up to that? So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We, we appreciate your uh, listenership or your viewership if you're watching us on YouTube. And please uh, share this message, this uncommon truth with people so that we can all live Christianity the way that Jesus intended it to be. Amen. Thanks for joining again, Steve. And we'll be back next time. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Truth Podcast today. I hope this episode encouraged you, inspired you, maybe even challenged you to keep seeking after everything Jesus has for you and the life he calls you to live. 
If you haven't already, please take a moment and subscribe to the Uncommon Truth podcast. That way you'll get every episode each week when it's released. It would really help us if you could rate and review and even share this podcast with anyone that you think would be encouraged by it. Help us spread the message to more people so that we can all live out this Christianity the way Jesus intended it to be. If you would like to get in touch with us, have any questions about the podcast, the topics, or even like us to pray for you, you can do so by emailing us at uncommontruthpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.